0: And I'm live. At last. I'm back. What's the story? <laughs> uh, yeah, a bit of radio silence there over the last week or so, uh, in no small part due to the sad passing of herself's dad. Um, we said goodbye to Charlie there the week before last. He'd been uh, diagnosed with, I suppose you could call it, the, the fucking the evil trinity, dementia, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Um, he wasn't diagnosed with them all at once, but he uh, was diagnosed with Parkinson's and dementia anyway about 10 years ago. So, look, it, it came as no great surprise to us when he when he finally passed, not to make light of his passing. Um, so that'll explain the, the radio silence. It's reminded me, if nothing else, of how... I was going to say how easily I I deal with death, but I think it's fair to say how easy I deal with things. Generally, it's something that I... I was about to say I learned about myself, but I didn't really learn about myself. Herself noticed it about me, and she mentioned it a couple of years ago. And it's funny because she, she she said it in passing. Basically, what she said was, you know, nothing phases me. She said about me, like, she said, nothing phases you. In relation to me. And it's something that I'd never really noticed about myself before until she until she said it. Now as she said it, it was blatantly obvious. W- once I heard it, I was like, Oh yeah, I I suppose I am. And then the more I thought about it, the more obvious it became. So there's something very interesting in a very interesting about that, and it's something that I think that people Can do and should do and I indeed should do a hell of a lot more of it is ask people Not what they think of you Because that's a very hard thing to ask somebody You know tell me what exactly it is you think about me. Oh uh, (laughs) Let me choose my words carefully But if you want somebody to Maybe your, maybe your partner, your brother, or your fucking mom or dad or someone someone that knows you relatively well or knows you a long time, say. Ask them to have a think about what makes you maybe slightly different to most people. And indeed, have a think about that yourself. So maybe have a think about that yourself first. What is it that makes you in any way, shape or form different to anybody else? What makes you a little bit of an outlier? Because look, We're all more or less the same, but we're all kind of completely different. And I think most people kind of get that intuitively, but mightn't necessarily be able to explain or articulate, say, exactly how they're all, or we're all so similar, but at the same time, what separates me from everyone. And by me, I mean you listening and whoever else. But anyway, yeah, a bit of radio silence. Um, yeah, so in the whole the whole death thing. Look, it didn't really faze me at all. Um, Charlie's death, is the, I suppose, the closest death that I've had... In, in not that long a time. I suppose my... both my parents' families are quite large. So to give you an idea what I mean, my dad was one of 13 kids and my mum was one of 16 kids and most of those got married and had three or four kids so that'll tell you the amount of aunts and uncles and cousins that I have and like my dad if he was still alive would be there there thereabouts 80 and I'm 34 so and he wasn't the oldest in his family by any stretch of the imagination, so a lot of my aunties and uncles on both sides, given that my mam's mam lived to be 100, and would have had kids when she was in her early 20s, that might give you an idea of the age of my aunties and uncles. I would put it this way, I would have aunties and uncles in their 80s, obviously, if they're still alive. And just purely on a numbers game, you know, out of 30 people, what are the odds that one of them or several of them will die in a 34 year period, so. So, I've been around death a lot more than most, I think it's fair to say. I remember one of the guys in my class in secondary school, his, I think his granddad died, and he took a week off work, or not a week off work, a week off school, maybe two weeks, and came back and it was all, you know, condolences for Tony he'd suffered a great loss and I don't know there was something about that that he'd been quite moved by the whole thing he might say obviously but to me it was kind of rather pedestrian because I think for him it was the first I think it was not to be too crude about it but I think it was the first dead body he'd seen and that to me shocked me because I I I didn't know. I mean, I think he asked me how many dead bodies have you seen and I was like, oh, Jesus, fuck, I don't know. And I didn't know because I'd lost count. Like, you know, you go to two or three funerals a year for, you know, several years. You you don't really stack up the numbers. But I think we have a weird relationship with death in this country. And uh, I think that a large part of that is due to the whole death and afterlife thing being and look I don't mean to keep fucking endlessly repeating this but it has been stolen from us by organized religion I mean I don't even know where somebody would be buried if they weren't a religious person I know my partner Ruth herself her dad wasn't a religious man and and he was cremated but I think cremation is a relatively new thing in this country And I don't know, are there, you know, I'm sure there are non-denominational graveyards. Is that what they're called? Non-denominational graveyards? But how does this sound? What if I want to be buried beside my dad, or my wife, or my kids? Heaven forbid I would go before either of them. I mean, on one hand, I, I don't want to be buried in a Catholic plot, but at the same time... How has it, how, how did it, how did it end up that a organization monopolized the burial of Irish citizens that just to me seems a bit I don't know mental. Um, I didn't really mean the fucking first podcast back in a while to be so fucking morbid so I might just lighten the mood slightly. Uh, I suppose the great thing about death is it gets you to put things into a little bit of fucking perspective, I suppose. And uh, it allows you pause to reflect on your own life to date and the fragility of being and the fact that you're not going to live forever. And the idea of you not going to live forever and putting a a limitation on your, your time on this planet... Is, is cause for concern, I think, and put it this way, like, I personally am hoping to live, you know, to be old, uh, to be, you know, 80 plus, say, and to be fucking, you know, banging out marathons in me 70s, I don't intend to, uh, you know, be sickly for decades, I intend to be fucking full of vitality, but presumably there's going to come a time when I'm going to be less upwardly mobile than I have previously been. So there's an onus on us to make the fucking most of our, you know, teens and 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, if you still can, physically speaking. But mentally speaking too, like, like I look back at my, my teenage years and my 20s as a a drunken blur for the most part. Thank fuck for sport, Jesus, I mean, if it wasn't for sport, fuck, I mean, uh, there's, there's a certain guarantee that I would have been an alcoholic, if it, if it wasn't for sport, and uh, I often look back on that time with regret, but look, I wouldn't be who I am now if I didn't do what I did then, so, and, and I'm not on my deathbed, so I still have a, a good, you know, 50 odd years ahead of me. And even thinking in those terms, like, you know, if I, if I lived to 84, that's another 50 years. Like, that's far longer than I've been alive up until this point. So I'm by no means halfway. And when you think that, you know, you're not really anything until you're, I don't know, 10, say, like, you can kind of wipe that off. Because if all your memories pre your 10 years of old just got wiped, how different would you be? Depends, I suppose, for different people. I can't name a single thing that happened to me before I was ten offhand. Now maybe that's where ninety percent of my being was born, but you know, who knows? But I suppose that the, the, the point that I'm trying to convey is how much time do you think you've left? Because if you're if you're sixty, you don't have fifty years ahead of you. You know, maybe you're as optimistic as me and you think you've twenty years ahead of you. Does that strike you as a very long time or a very short time? Do you know is 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 this is this whole conversation a bit fuck Jesus? You know it's fucking lunchtime on a Friday. You're fucking kidding me here, man. Or is this yeah fuck yeah right okay? I've got another fucking thirty years. You know what could I do with thirty years? What should I do with thirty years? And. I think that's the upside of death, is it? I suppose every time we lose somebody, we we're reminded of that. Because otherwise, you know, we don't really talk about immortality outside of funerals, say. And one thing that struck me was, I won't, I won't name who it was, but a, a sibling of herself, say, who's just lost their dad, was, I suppose, trying to explain to me what was going through their head by way of trying to understand it themselves so articulating what they were thinking to understand what it was what they were thinking in the first place and it just became apparent as they were speaking to me at least that because we only deal with these things when they're on our doorstep so someone dies and then you're flooded with all these thoughts because it's only because somebody is either about to die or just having died, we're, we're clouded by grief. Like we're, we're obviously not thinking clearly. Like the grief affects different people in different ways, but it, it affects us, say. Even myself, who would take death in a stride as, as most things, it still affects me. I still don't think the same. I tend to be more, I don't know, I tend to think on a deeper level, I think, than, than usual. But the, the point that I'm labouring to make is, we never talk about death outside of some form of tragedy. So it's impossible for it ever to become normal, even though it's, it's the only guarantee in many senses. Like, what's more guaranteed than death? It's it's coming for us all, but it's an interesting one. My most recent conversation with Pat, um, the second half of that I thoroughly enjoyed. Not that I didn't enjoy the first half, but the, I think the second half of the it's about three and a half hours long, so maybe the final third I found particularly beneficial because we disagreed. And I think that's what I'm going to try and do moving forward with these solo episodes. Is provoke some conversations. The, the conversations that I'm having with people are great. But I think, I think the solo ones are, are more beneficial to both me and the people listening. So I'm very much keen to hear from somebody who's disagreed with something I've said, either in my conversations or on the solo episodes. You know, send me an email, strike up a, a bit of a, an email correspondence with me. I'm off the lead at gmail.com. But only if you're, well not only, but I'm particularly looking for people who disagree with me. Now, you don't have to have any more of an argument than, I just don't think that's right. I can live with that. What I don't want to hear is, and I've mentioned this before, you know, that's wrong or that's bad or, you know, try and nail down what it is that you disagree with and try as best you can articulate how you think I'm making an error, either big or small, because I think one of the main points of why I started this whole fucking thing in the first place was for me to uh, just better understand the world that I live in and maybe drag a few people along for the fucking journey. So... I'm going to leave it at that because I I think I needed to to bang out an episode to just kind of get back on the horse. So apologies if this was a bit kind of morbid or not as inspirational as you might have liked or as funny as you might have liked, but look, it's a fucking back in the horse type thing, and I've said it before, done beats perfect. I've obviously missed my 40 fucking day challenge deadline thing. Let me know how you got on. Did you fuck up yours as well? I don't view mine as a a complete fuck up by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, uh, I must actually work out what I've done podcast wise since I said that I was, since I kind of made that announcement that I was gonna do 40 podcasts in 40 days. It's probably been what, 50, 60 days maybe. Have I done, what's this, 29 is it? The best part of 30 solo episodes and one a week. So 50 days, seven conversations have I had 7 or 8 conversations and done 30 solo episodes not fucking bad if I compare what I did in that period to that same period last year you know zero um, and it's not as if I've been idle outside of I'm doing the podcasts so I'm off the lead at gmail.com let me know if, what you disagree with me more than most and as always I'm here to be reached out for whatever reason and I'll chat to you soon.